Hello once again and welcome to the SNDJ Wedding Reception Planning Podcast, episode number five. Before we get to this week's topic, I want to introduce myself in case you are new to this podcast. My name is Stacy Knowles and I am a mobile DJ and wedding reception entertainment planner in Pensacola, Florida. I have owned and operated SNDJ Entertainment for almost 19 years. In this series of podcasts, we've been talking about planning a wedding reception and giving you some tips on how to make that process easier and stress-free. In our earlier episodes, we also talked about ways to save money on your wedding. And regardless of where you are in the country or the world, you will benefit from the tips included in this series of podcasts when it comes to saving money on your wedding. We also talked about the entire planning process and detailed a sample outline of events for a wedding reception to give you some ideas. If you haven't gone back and listened to the first four episodes, I encourage you to do that because you will get a lot out of it. Also, even though we are located in Pensacola, Florida, this podcast is for everyone, regardless of where you live. I know it's been a few weeks since we've done a podcast. I've been very busy over the past few weeks. I spent a week in Las Vegas attending a mobile DJ convention where I attended seminars, workshops, and met with other wedding DJ professionals from around the world. We had a great week. I then had a wedding to plan and prepare for as soon as I got back, in addition to my work on the radio. So I've been pretty busy. But it is good to be back and producing these podcasts for you, and like I said before, I know you're definitely going to get something out of it. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing some tips to make your wedding reception successful, and also I'm going to share some interesting stories that I personally witnessed in my almost 19 years of being a professional wedding DJ. And some of the tips we're going to be talking about deal with your wedding day overall and not just the DJ end. So again, I know this will help you out when you're planning your wedding reception. Let's get started. Tip number one, make sure your DJ is set up at the edge of the dance floor. Now this is a very important tip, but one most brides and grooms don't really think about too much when they're looking at their reception layout in the room. And we've seen layouts where the dance floor is right there in the middle of the room, but the DJ's in the back corner somewhere with tables between his setup and the dance floor. There are several reasons why you want to have your DJ set up on the edge of the dance floor with nothing between them and the dance floor, but I'm only going to talk about a couple of reasons. First, you want to have what we call our sweet spot. Now, the sweet spot is the area where the music will be the loudest. Now, think about this. When you were in middle or high school, you were probably at a school dance, and you loved being right up there in front of the speakers where the music was loudest on the dance floor. Also, the light show will be a lot better as well if the DJ is set up by the dance floor. If you set up the DJ table at a corner away from the dance floor with tables between the DJ and the the dancing area, the DJ will then have to crank the music up even louder to reach the sweet spot on the dance floor, and the light show will also be lighting the tables in front of the DJ table and may not even make it to the dance floor depending on how far away you are. So your sound quality will not be as good and you won't get the full benefit of the light show if your DJ is set up away from the dance floor. A second reason we recommend having the DJ set up at the edge of the dance floor is not only does it keep the music and lights in the sweet spot, but you're also going to have guests there who aren't into dancing and they're going to want to sit at the tables and socialize. It happens every time. And if your DJ is set up in a corner with tables between him and the dancing area, the music is going to be especially loud for those guests sitting at those tables. It's also true during dinner as well. The music is really going to be loud for those guests, and, well, your grandmother probably will not appreciate that if she has to be seated directly in front of the speakers with it really, really loud. And what we want to do, again, is have the DJ at the edge of the dance floor with nothing between him and the dance floor. That way, everyone who wants the music loud can be on the dance floor in front of the speakers in the sweet spot, while those guests who want to socialize can sit at tables and still enjoy their conversation. They can still hear the music, but it's not so loud that they're not able to enjoy their conversation. 
and it works out well for everyone by making sure your DJ is set up on the edge of the dance floor with nothing between him and the dancing area. Tip number two, don't put your DJ on a balcony or loft high up above the dance floor. Barn weddings have become very popular around Northwest Florida and they may be popular where you are as well. Now let me stress, when I say barn, I'm not talking about an actual barn with horses, chickens, and hay bales in them. I'm talking about buildings in the shape of a barn that are specifically used for weddings and events. Many of these places will have a loft where they recommend the DJ set up. Normally it's a balcony or loft above the dance floor area. A lot of brides are led to believe this will create more room for tables and a larger dance floor, and while that is definitely true about saving room by putting your DJ up on a loft, it's going to compromise the quality of your sound. See, when you put the DJ up on the loft above the dance floor, you're going to lose a lot of the bass and the sound quality is not going to be as good. If you set up on the floor by the dance floor, your sound quality will be so much better because you won't be losing any of that bass and, well, let's face it, everyone loves dancing with bass. Imagine hearing a DJ's speakers at ground level with the bass, then imagine his speakers above the dance floor. It's going to sound more like the music is coming from your high school PA system. So that's the main reason we don't recommend having your DJ set up in a loft or balcony above the dance floor. When I've recommended this for brides and grooms, oftentimes they've chosen to put the bride and groom's table up on the loft so that they can look over their guests during dinner. And that's always a popular alternative as well. Another aspect to consider besides sound quality is a lot of these lofts don't have elevator access, which means if your DJ did set up there, it would require them to carry several loads of equipment up a flight of stairs. Well, in all honesty, a lot of DJ services will not carry their equipment upstairs, and their contract will state that they require an elevator if they have to set up above the first floor. Plus, a lot of insurance companies require there to be an elevator as well, meaning if there are stairs, they won't cover the equipment for the liability of the person carrying the equipment in case something gets dropped. And not all insurance companies will require that, but many do because they see stairs as a major liability when you're talking about carrying several pieces of heavy equipment upstairs. But let's say your DJ service agrees to set up in the loft and it's not a liability issue for them. A lot of times they will charge extra labor fees because they will have to hire extra help to carry the equipment up there. So that's something else you may want to consider as well. So again, keep in mind if your venue has a loft and they recommend the DJ set up in the loft, the quality of the sound will not be as great and you might be looking at extra labor charges if the DJ service agrees to set up in that area. Tip number three, make sure you have a backup plan if you're going to be having your wedding outside. Now this is a tip that we highly recommend because if you're planning an outdoor wedding or reception, be sure to have a backup plan in case of bad weather. And really that goes for any type of event. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a wedding. If you're planning any type of event outside, you always want to make sure that you've got a backup plan in case uh, the, the weather doesn't cooperate. Now most people think of bad weather as just rain and that's the first thing that comes to mind when most people will hear us say bad weather. Well, obviously, if there's going to be rain in the forecast on your wedding day, you're going to want to keep that in mind. If you're planning your wedding, say, six months to a year out, that's going to be impossible to know what the weather will be on your wedding day, which is why having a backup plan early on is so important. Here on the Gulf Coast, our weather can be very unpredictable, especially as we get into the summer months, and brides love to have beach weddings. After all, it is Florida, so you can imagine a lot of people want to have their wedding on the beach. Well, during the months of June, July, and August, the forecast at 10 a.m. can be nice and sunny for 5 p.m., but then just a few hours later, we could be having brief, strong thunderstorms moving in due to the heating of the day, and it's not even out of the question that we may not have a tornado watch posted. And it's not uncommon here in Northwest Florida, so we recommend having an indoor venue that you can move your wedding to at a moment's notice in case these pop-up thunderstorms appear. 
Well, in the spring and the fall, it's not that common to have pop-up thunderstorms, but in the summer, we can see a lot of them, and they aren't always forecast and really can just pop up at a, a moment's notice with not giving you a whole lot of time to plan. But rain isn't the only consideration. You should also consider other elements such as temperature and wind conditions. Now let's say you're planning on an outdoor wedding in the early spring when temperatures are normally warming up in most places. That sounds like a perfect time to have a wedding outside. But let's say the night before your wedding you have a very late season cold front move through the area and temperatures drop into the teens or 20s by the wedding day and temperatures are not expected to get much above freezing and high winds are expected that day. Well, it's very rare, but it happens. You would want to make sure that you had somewhere to move the wedding and reception indoors. It would definitely be a memorable wedding day if you had freezing temperatures and the wind blowing so hard that you had tablecloths and table decorations flying off the tables, but that's not the type of memories that you would really want. So definitely make sure that you have a backup plan for any outdoor event that you may be planning because you just never know what the weather may do. Tip number five, do not set up a timeline or a time schedule for your reception. And we talked in depth about this in an earlier episode, but I did want to touch on it again since it is so important. You don't want to set up a strict time schedule or a timeline for your reception. Timelines and time schedules are great for everything up to and including your ceremony, but when it comes to your reception, that's the time you want to be able to sit back, relax, and have fun for the last part of your wedding day. You may have other vendors convincing you that you need to set up a strict time schedule for your reception, but trust me, you don't. Setting up a strict timeline for your reception will only add more stress on you. It'll make your reception feel more structured and not laid back, fun, and relaxing. And for the reception, the only times that you want to set up is a start time, which is the time that you want your DJ set up and playing background music, a time for your catering staff to have dinner ready, and an end time. That's it. And to find out more details about wedding timelines, be sure to listen to episode 2 and 3 of the SNDJ Wedding Reception Planning Podcast, where we go into more details about this. So I hope that those simple tips can help you out in your planning process. Now let's talk about some interesting stories. In my almost 19 years of owning and operating SNDJ Entertainment, I have definitely seen my fair share of amazing things and could possibly even write a book on the stories I could tell you. But I wanted to share uh, just a few of those with you now, and some of these will be sweet, emotional, and even humorous. Okay, story number one, the brother who did a surprise dance for his sister. Now this is one that was very emotional. In 2007, I was hosting a wedding reception for a bride and groom. I had uh, done most of the planning with the bride before the wedding, like I do with most of my weddings. And we'd planned everything out, including her sequence of events with her spotlight dances. I noticed she did not have a father-bride dance listed, and she just simply said her dad would not be there, but never gave a reason why. Well, the day of the reception, as guests began coming in, the bride's brother came up to me, and uh, he told me the reason she didn't have a father-bride dance listed was because their dad had passed away just a few years before. And he said she was upset that she wouldn't be able to do a dance with her dad, so the brother asked me if he could do a surprise brother-bride dance instead. He said he knew he wouldn't be like dancing with her dad, but he did want to give her a special moment. So I told him we could definitely do that, and after the bride and groom's first dance, the brother went and grabbed his sister by the hand, took her out on the dance floor, and we did a special dance for them. It made the bride happy that she could at least share a special moment with her brother, even though her dad could not be there. Story number two, the smoking table. Now this is a funny story that I think you're going to enjoy. In 2004, I was using a fog machine with my light show. I don't really use it too much now, but I had just set up for a wedding in Panama City Beach, and I always put my fog machine under the DJ table. Well, the way the fog machine worked is I would plug it in, and then it would take a few minutes for it to heat up. 
The fog was made by putting fog juice in the machine, and I had a button that would light up on the machine that would let me know that the machine was heated up and ready to go. Well, at that point, I just needed to push the button and the fog would start coming out. Well, at this particular wedding, I had plugged the machine in and walked away from the DJ table for a few minutes, but I was unaware that something was pressing the fog trigger button down, so as soon as the machine heated up, fog started coming out from under the DJ table, and it looked like smoke coming from uh, underneath the tablecloth. Well, I immediately saw the waitstaff members running over to the DJ table in a panic. Well, they thought the system was on fire, and I immediately knew what it was and went over there, pulled off whatever it was that was resting on the trigger button, and then the fog stopped. Well, you should have seen the look on the uh, server's faces when they found out what really caused the smoke, which was just my fog machine activated. They actually laughed after that. I still have my fog machine today, but I haven't used it in years. They do tend to set off smoke alarms from time to time, so a lot of venues will not even allow them to be used. Story number three, Heartland wishing the couple well. Well, in 2008, we used to have a festival here in Pensacola called the Beulah Sausage Festival, and it usually featured new and upcoming country music artists. One year, I was working the event for the local country music station I was uh, working for at the time, and one of the groups performing was Heartland, and they have a song that is uh, still popular today. You've probably heard of the song, and it's real popular for the father-bride dance. It's called I Loved Her First. Well, as a vendor and employee of the radio station, I was able to meet the group and hang out with them backstage. Well, I had a wedding coming up and just a couple of weeks later, and I knew the bride and groom had chosen I Loved Her First as the father-bride dance. So I talked to the members of Heartland at the festival. I mentioned to them I had a wedding coming up where the bride chose that song, and I got the guys to autograph and personalize a radio station bumper sticker for the bride and groom. Well, two weeks later at their wedding reception, right after the father-bride dance, I asked the couple to come out on the dance floor. I presented them with the sticker and told them the group Heartland wanted me to personally congratulate them on their wedding, thank them for choosing their song, and to give them their autographed bumper sticker for, from the guys. Well, nobody knew I was going to do that, and it was a special moment for the bride and groom. You can only imagine what that was like and the smiles the bride and groom had on their face after that. Story number four, the bride and groom who were eager to leave. Now, we all know getting married is an exciting time, and oftentimes the bride and groom can't wait to start their honeymoon. Well, it's not uncommon for a bride and groom to leave the reception a few minutes early. In 2006, I was hosting a wedding reception, and it was late in the afternoon. It wasn't quite dark outside, but it was getting there. The bride and groom had me contracted until 10 p.m. I think the wedding ceremony began around 4 o'clock that afternoon with the reception following, and they were both at the same venue. It was probably around 7 p.m. in the evening. We had just finished all of the formalities and had gotten into the open dancing. Well, two songs into the open dancing, the bride came up to me and said she and the groom wanted to go ahead and do their final dance and their exit, but said everyone else can stay and dance a little while longer if they all wanted to. Well, so that's what we decided to do. Usually when we do the bride and groom's final dance and their send-off, that's the end of the reception, but not this time. Once we did their final dance, everyone moved outside, formed two lines, sent the bride and groom off, then came back into the venue. Well, everyone else stayed until the reception ended at 10 p.m. We kept the party going without the bride and groom for at least three hours. It was a great reception. And a few weeks later, I saw the bride's mother, and she talked about how everyone had a wonderful time. I asked her why the bride and groom left so early, and she said, Well, my daughter was worried if they waited until 10 p.m. to do their exit, nobody would still be there. So she wanted to do her exit while most of her guests were still there. I laughed and said, You should tell her everyone else stayed until 10. She had a wonderful reception. We wish she could have been there for it. The mom just laughed and said, Yeah, I believe they wanted to start their honeymoon early. Story number five, the bride who hired an unprofessional DJ. One Friday afternoon, it was around 4 p.m. or so, I was in my office at home watching TV. 
This was a weekend I did not have any events, so I was looking forward to doing nothing all weekend long. Well, my phone rang, and so I answered it. It was a bride who sounded like she was in a panic. She asked if I was available to DJ her wedding the next night, which was Saturday. I told her I was, and she proceeded to tell me that she had hired a DJ months ago and hadn't heard back from him since she sent her retainer fee and booked the date. She said that she had tried reaching out to the DJ, but he had not returned her calls, had not returned her emails, and she said she had no idea if he was planning to show up for her wedding or not. She said she would pay whatever I charged, so I agreed to meet her at a local Starbucks to have a quick consultation, collect her payment, and put a very last-minute wedding planner together. So we agreed to meet. Fifteen minutes later, just as I was getting ready to walk out the door, she called me and said it would no longer be necessary for us to meet because the DJ finally called her and said that he would be at her wedding the next night. Well, it made me think uh, this is a very valuable lesson for other brides. Any professional wedding vendor, not just the DJ, will always return your calls. And as we've discussed in previous podcast episodes, part of our responsibility as a professional wedding DJ service is we work with you throughout the entire planning process. And the fact that this DJ had not been in contact with her since he took her retainer fee means that he didn't prepare for the reception. He didn't have any idea about her events she wanted, the music, nor any other details that that literally take weeks to plan out. I never heard back from this bride following her wedding, but if I had to bet, I would say she probably wasn't too happy with the end result. In this situation, I see both parties at fault. First, the DJ, for not being professional, not following up with her, and not giving her any information so he can plan the reception. Then I find the bride at fault because when the DJ wouldn't return her calls and emails, never gave her any forms to fill out, nor bothered to find out any details about her reception, that should have been a huge red flag. She should have hired another DJ, a more professional DJ, weeks if not months before and not waited until the night before her wedding to start making alternate plans. And finally, story number six. The dad hired a friend to DJ who let the bride and groom down. In our final story, I had a similar situation than we one we just talked about. As I mentioned in previous episodes, SNDJ Entertainment participates in a large bridal expo in Pensacola in early January. One year, I had a bride come by my table. She liked what she saw, and she wanted to schedule a consultation, so we did. About a week later, I met with her and her mother at a Starbucks where we went over everything. Well, the bride and her mom both agreed that they thought I was very professional and wanted to hire me for the wedding, which was going to take place that next October. Again, this was in January when we had our consultation. The mother of the bride said they would have to talk it over with dad since he was paying, but they had their mind pretty much made up. So I thought, okay, this is great. They're going to go ahead and book. Well, a few days later, the bride sent me an email and said that her dad had a friend who offered to DJ the wedding for a lower price, and since he was paying, she had no other choice but to go with that. So I thanked her for her time and wished her luck. Well, fast forward to September. One afternoon, I got a call from that particular bride's mother. She asked me if I remembered her and her daughter, then then asked me if I was still available for their date, which I was, and it was just now three weeks away. Well, she explained to me the DJ friend her husband had hired just informed them that he had another booking that day that he had forgotten all about and said he would not be available for their wedding. Again, he agreed to do their October wedding in January and just realized in September that he had another booking. Not very professional, in my opinion. Well, the mother of the bride then told me that they wanted to go ahead and hire me. She said, you were the one we wanted for our DJ in the first place. So I've told my husband we're going to make the decision this time. So anyway, I did uh, their wedding three weeks later and everything went great. I was happy that situation had a happy ending. Unfortunately, though, that sort of thing happens a lot when people hire friends to be their DJ and they aren't professional. 
I know I didn't know this DJ, but like the DJ in the last story, he obviously wasn't professional because he would have known immediately he was booked for their wedding day, or if he didn't, he would have realized it pretty quickly and notified them well before three weeks out. Now in our next podcast, I'll be answering some questions I have received and we'll have uh, some more tips on, and stories for you. If you have any questions you'd like for me to address next week, please feel free to reach out. You can call or text me directly on the SNDJ Entertainment phone number at 850-501-1590 or you can email me directly at weddings at sndjpensacola.com. That's weddings at sndjpensacola.com. Once again, my name is Stacy Knowles, Entertainment Director and Professional Wedding DJ at SNDJ Entertainment in Pensacola, Florida. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.